This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly, and we're broadcasting live here from the Hyatt um, Hotel in Long Beach, um, we're here for the ISSA Orange County um, Symposium, The Future of Information Security, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And um, it's a real big conference here this on the ISSA, so, the 28th um, SoCal Security Symposium. And so this whole show is going to be devoted to um, cybersecurity and information security. We're going to be talking to a lot of people who have um, very important jobs in terms of you know, maintaining the security of their systems. Um, this is a one-day event. It's got a great turnout, um, a lot of vendors. Um, I'm actually going to be talking later today on the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I hope I, I hope that wasn't chosen because of one of them. And uh, um, But any event, um, I want to introduce We're going to have uh, several guests kind of uh, sit, join us here at our table at the high, and I want to thank everyone for the logistical help they've given us here. Uh, but we're going to start off with Powell Hamilton. Powell, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And um, so, tell us um, a little bit about what it is that you do and what, what brought you here. Well, uh, I've had many daytime jobs. Uh, currently, I'm the information officer for the City of Hope. And previously, I was the uh, CISO at uh, Hogue Hospital. And uh, before that, uh, for about 10 years, uh, I was a security consultant for uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers. And during that time frame, uh, I would say for the last 12 years, uh, I've always been involved with the, the ISSA Association. And uh, um, I've always been a board member. Uh, I volunteer... Uh, oh, gee. I would say I've uh, been doing it for 12 years. Uh, this event like this takes, takes quite, a, quite a lot of uh, resources and manpower to put on. Um, I've been, uh, we started about 10 months ago having monthly, uh, weekly meetings, and we have a great volunteer group. Uh, we're all volunteers, and uh, really about 10 people really helped put this together and uh, if you ever have the opportunity to help out and volunteer I, I think it's a it's a good experience for anybody to do. Now just for you know, our listeners um, ISSA is the Information System Security Association and um, the head of the LA chapter is Stan Stahl yeah. who is a frequent um, guest on this show and has been very kind to to us, so um, so um, in terms of your role with a company, 
and um, the um, in what is the best analogy? Are you a like a goalie, or um, with, except that you have one defender helping you and there's three strikers, or um, is there some other analogy that you have in mind? Well, um, we. we Earlier, we talked about uh, football. I'd actually have to use a little bit more of a football analogy. I'm more of the uh, quarterback being the president of the organization, where you, you definitely have to show leadership. You have to put a lot of time in. Uh, it's a volunteer group, so you need to motivate everybody. Uh, you mentioned Stan Stahl. He's a terrific motivator, terrific leader. Uh, we're, we're basically... Uh, the Orange County chapter, they're the LA chapter, and we have the same roles where we need to recruit people to help out, we need to keep them motivated to participate, and uh, quite frankly, we love what we do as far as our daytime jobs, so we encourage the growth and the knowledge growth of information security. So on, on that, in terms of your role with, with City of Hope, mm -hmm. and, and it's funny, I'm reminded, I have a good friend named Mayor, and uh, it really befuddled uh, Mayor Reardon, of, you know, former Mayor of Los Angeles. Sure. He's, he's putting his arms around, you know, what? where is he mayor of? And, you know, just so, and a City of Hope for listeners you know, is not a city, it's oh, a hospital. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> that, role, that was funny you mentioned that because uh, um, a few weeks ago I went to Tennessee for the ISSA International event. Mm -hmm. And on my badge it says, the City of Hope. And so a whole bunch of people came up to me saying, oh, you're the CISO for a city. I'm like, no, not quite. Uh, actually, it's a hospital, it's a research, and it's a training facility. Although these days, I mean, you know, knowing City of Hope, I mean, that could be akin to a small city in terms of the demands of what's placed on it. Oh, absolutely. It, uh, it's a terrific organization. I've, I'm actually new there. I've been there two months. And, uh, I, and just in the very short time, uh, I'm a believer because every day I watch people who are in uh, clinical need drive up or uh, helped to get their procedures. It's For the most part, it, it is a daytime event. And, uh, you know, these people, if you haven't heard of the City of Hope, that's the good news. That means you don't need help. If you have, you probably had yourself or a friend who needed the services and it, it it's a terrific experience and I'm so happy I'm there. Now if I'm um what's it Snedley I'm Snedley. Um wouldn't I I would use City of Hope in terms of you know data that you guys collect. That that is the gold mine for me, no? You know uh Securing and uh, protecting patient health information is the number one goal. That is my number one goal. Is um, In today's environment where so many people need to touch the data in a, in a, a valid way, uh, I have to ensure that the right people are touching it and the wrong people, the bad people, are not touching it. And, uh, you know, it's probably no different from a bank protecting uh, their customers' data, protecting uh, information data in a hospital. It's the same challenge. 
we probably have a little more challenge because we have to um, allow physicians to get to that. And in California, physicians are not employees. So you, if you can imagine allowing remote access to physi for physicians and other people, um, it, it's it's quite a challenge at a day-to-day. -day. Now, um, we're here at this conference, and um, you know, this is the good, the bad, the ugly. Right. And we're talking about um, we're talking about in terms of the things in of those na those nature. You know, where we're making progress. What are the threats? Um, so let's let's start with the good. What are some signs that you're seeing, either with your organization or just in general, in terms of good? Where, where are we making progress? Oh well, there's plenty of good, and as a an, a security officer, I have to remind my boss and the people who support me that, you know, when the system's working, bad things aren't happening. And people don't understand that. When the firewall is working, when virus and malware protection's working, nothing's happening. What I mean by that is your computers are not going crashing, data's not being lost, nothing's happening. So it's very difficult to get additional funding and say, hey, I need extra funding because I need to upgrade the firewall. And they would say, well, what's wrong with the current firewall? Right. Nothing's happening. And you, I and I said you exactly. A, you don't get a win for that, right? Right. That's the, right. I mean, in terms of you know looking at the standings, you know, there there is no win. There's there is no win. That's right. That's right. So, I, I guess I could say this because uh, once upon a time I worked at uh, Rockwell International, and my role, startup. yeah, a little small company, <laughs> and my role. I was the Cray supercomputer administrator. Okay. And for the shuttle launch, they would uh, put some weather balloons up, and then the Cray would uh, crunch the data, and then they would have their go, no go decisions. Well, we're about five minutes before the launch, and they're about to launch the balloons, and the Cray crashes. And all of a sudden, I'm working real hard to get the system up. I finally get it up, and I tell them, the system ready. And they said, oh, I'm sorry, we went to plan B. And I go, well, what was plan B? Oh, we have a bunch of PCs clustered together to do the same thing. It takes a little bit longer, a couple minutes longer, but it was done. Mm -hmm. And I started realizing, wow, there, there's, there's the future of computing, how... It's getting faster, smaller, redundant, redundant, and quite frankly, I got noticed because the system crashed. Now, a lot of sysadmins, we've crashed the systems for maybe taking some shortcuts. I don't do this now, but right. taking shortcuts, and then we crash the system, and then we repair it, and I'm the hero for doing that. That's, that's, yeah, so it's, that's the irony. Yeah, you're, you're wow. But they didn't realize I didn't take proper procedures, and I was the actual cause. And, you know, I, I admit that now, and now I'm in uh, a uh, leadership role, and I have to talk to my workers and sysadmins and say, listen, guys, no shortcuts. And I'll tell them the story of exactly. how shortcuts may have 
you know, brought the uh, to attention the importance of computing, but more importantly, to do not take shortcuts. So, so I mean, yeah. So, in, in essence, to continue your football analogy, um, if you um, if you were um, the Miami Dolphins of you know, the 1973 when they won 17 games, and uh, basically they would be O and O. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But there's lots of good, obviously, uh, the evolution of computing. Um, some of the things that make us frustrating, but we love it, the uh, smartphones, tablets, really the, there is a lot of good of the growth in computing. Now, the bad, that's what everybody hears about. Right, and that's what brought everyone here today. What do you think is like the, the thing that people will most take away from this event? I think uh, when we push our theme, the good, the bad, the ugly, really it's the evolution of computing and as security practitioners keeping up with that evolution. i got to tell you, when in my early days, um, we had a bunch of programmers that worked on uh, IBM MVS. Mm -hmm. And I started learning this stuff called Unix and uh, Windows NT. And as some of my coworkers looked at me and said, why are you looking at that? That stuff's never gonna go anywhere. Well, obviously they were wrong and it's gone <laughs> quite a distance. And uh, quite frankly, uh, uh, if I was gonna say to any young person or anybody of my age, keep up with what is going on, keep up with technology, keep up your skills because we're in an exciting field. You don't want to fall behind. And um, how, how are you? Are you pleased with the, the turnout here today? Oh yeah, the turnout's great. Um, you know, good old Southern California traffic. We had some people come in and late, <laughs> but no, once they got here, they filled up the room and uh, uh, David Perry was our first uh, presenter, and uh, he kicked off a he he kicked it off. He hit a home run. So, but um, also we have some uh, about thirty four vendors here, and uh, they're demonstrating their product sets and uh, service offerings. And uh, so far, I'm pleased. It's uh, it's always a great event. Well, I want to thank you for joining us um, today and taking time out. Um, I know you have a lot going on in running this event. Tell me um, if people want to learn more about what you do, uh, both in, in terms of the ISSAOC and City of Hope, which is not a city. <laughs> um, you know, what's the best way? Where should they look, look you up? Oh, sure. Um, I'm on, uh, of course, I'm on LinkedIn, and you can see my whole uh, bios out there. Um, also, the ISSA website is uh, www.issa-oc.org. LA similar. Uh, they have www.issa-la.org. And then our international is just www.issa.org. Uh, as far as the City of Hope, uh, it just sounds uh, the URL is www.cityofhope.org. Uh, That's simple enough. Yep. A great organization. Thank you very much you for bet. taking the time. Thank you. And. Um, He's done a great job here today, and um, I want to um, hats off to him. Definitely look up ISSAL um, OC. They're running a great show. Um, we have David Perry with us, 
and David is speaking at this um, this fun event, and um, the um, we're gonna take a short break, but we're gonna hear more from David about what he's doing in, in security, and um, he's gonna give us some insights on maybe on we talked about the good, maybe about the bad and the ugly. Um, after these messages, you're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. And a pitch. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! How about catching more attention like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short branded attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand just like Sony, Visa, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, let our in-house printing and CD DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. Come visit us at AdTech New York, booth number 738. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back here live from the Hyatt in Long Beach with um, David Perry, who is a, quote, evangelist and malware expert. And uh, we'll see if he can do a... Um, an exorcism here, but um, David, I want to thank you for joining us. Um, tell us a little bit about your background in, in information security. Well, I start out in tech support way before there was information security. I started out as a tech support analyst on the Atari 800 in, in San Francisco at Atari in 1982. Oh my, that's like a baseball saying Babe Ruth. <laughs> right. And then from there, I go to, uh, I was at Eagle Computer. Do you remember Eagle Computer? No. And uh, from there, I went to Toshiba. In 1990, I started at Norton Antivirus as the first technician hired in tech support on Norton Antivirus version 1.0 for DOS. Okay? <laughs> but I was there for about five years. I ended up running all of their internet-based support, all the CompuServe, all the AOL, all the email, and all of the websites and bulletin board systems. And then from there, I went to McAfee. I was at McAfee for a couple of years doing the same. And then from there, I went to a company called CyberMedia. 
I was there for five years. And then I was 14 years at Trend Micro, where I made it all the way up into marketing and became a product manager, product marketing manager, and eventually became the chief corporate evangelist. I was called the global director of education, which is an interesting story. They said, make up a title. I was already a director mm-hmm. level you know, employee, and they said, make up a title. And I said, well, I'm in charge of teaching the public about the threats and how to respond to them. That was my job. I would go out and educate people. I said, why don't you make me the director of public education? So they said, fine. We ordered up business cards, and I showed one to my wife, and she said, oh, she just glanced at her and said, director of public education, that spells dope. <laughs> so I changed it to the global director of education, and that's what I do. I go out in the world, even though I'm not no longer associated with a corporation right now, I go out in the world, and I educate people about the threats, about the nature of how the threats came to be, and about the kind of awareness and the kind of products that they need to be able to fight those threats. So, I mean, it's interesting. I didn't think we would have a, uh, a dope marketer on the Wait, I'm making like a West Coast sign here. You have a dope marketer, boy. Yeah, see, my my uh, my uh, foes are making noise in the background. Yes. Guys, you hate yeah, me. it's it's the other gang. The other know. gang, right? Um, so any event, we um, t- you are a great barometer for maybe where we are today, because um. You know, I think the, the extent and the size of the market says a lot about you know how serious people are taking um, cybersecurity today. Do you want the truth? Yes, we're screwed. Things okay. are really, really bad. Like, was that too? Was that too? Well, actually, it, it, no. It's fitting because we, we talked about we already covered the good of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And well, I there's a maybe... lot of good. There's a lot of good. Microsoft is making a lot of progress on making their products more secure. All over the world, people are t- taking more steps. But it's getting noisier here. See, but the level of threat has escalated beyond all reason. Uh, the people who are making money off of breaking into your system are making a lot of money, and there's a lot of them. Do you, have you, do you go to DEF CON? Have you ever been to a DEF CON? Uh, I've, I've had, I know people who have. I you have should not. go. It really gives you a sense of scale. You're, you're at this one conference in Las Vegas, and there's 20,000 wannabe hackers at it. Right. Okay? 6,000 of them in a room copiously taking notes about about how to break into a bank or how to break into your car, how to break into your home. And those are, that's what we're talking about. The level of security that we're seeing is spreading beyond traditional computer security. We're not talking about somebody who's going to wipe out your hard drive. We're talking about somebody who's going to pop open the locks to your apartment. And that is coming very soon, very soon. But, you know, in terms of the size of the market's increasing, right? You're, yours is saying that the threat is greater. Oh, uh, do you want me threat? to put that in concrete terms for you? Sure. Okay, the original Norton antivirus covered you against 400 different threats, 400 different unique malware signatures. Okay? Today, in the anti-malware business, they discover more than 1 million unique new samples every day. More than a million a day, okay? The, the, the protections that you have against these, and they're not all aimed against the same vulnerability. They attack DNS servers. They attack web servers. They attack mail servers. But mostly they attack clients, and they attack clients between new vulnerabilities and new 
new holes that are found in those. Are you aware? There's a company called MITRE. Have you ever heard of it before? M-I-T-R-E? Yes, actually. Okay, MITRE does something called the Common Vulnerability Enumeration, or CVE. That's used to keep count of which vulnerability, so that there, because there's so many of them, you need to attach a serial number to it to know which vulnerability was used to make this virus or that attack or that advanced persistent threat happen. This year, already, they have more than 4,000 listed. So what's, what's driving this? What is causing the exponential growth of the threat? Of cybercrime? Well, some of it is crime, okay? okay. And we're, I'm just going to defer to human nature in general. Well, I mean, crime... Crime it, is a characteristic part of human behavior. And if it doesn't pay, it doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't... You know, if it wasn't paying, you know, people wouldn't do it. So obviously, the, and it this, pays a lot. Yes. Okay. You know that the industry is pulling in twenty, thirty billion dollars a year. The bad guys are pulling in at least ten times that. Hmm. Okay. Uh, We're maybe, talking real money here. Maybe we'll take a short break. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but um, wait, I'll tell you one. Okay, you remember fake AV where it would pop up on your machine and say you have a virus and you have to pay us fifty dollars? No, I, I never got that. Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it. Yes. Okay. We call it ransomware, right? It yes. isn't quite ransomware. It's not ransoming you, but it is. It is like ransomware. The FBI and Interpol working together in December of two thousand nine, and that's before this escalated to the right. point it's at today. Busted one vendor of fake AV in the Ukraine. Okay. They had 600 people working in the building taking the credit card charges, oh and God. they had made $900 million in the month of December 2009. $900 million. And that's four years ago. It's much worse now. Wow. Okay? And we're not just talking about criminals. You have nation states attacking your security and privacy. Why worry about the NSA? They're our bad guys. They really are working on our behalf. Really. Okay? I would worry more about foreign agents, about private enterprise breaking into your privacy. I mean, and who needs to break into your privacy? You've got a Facebook account. (laughs) I can look at it and tell everything about you. Now, Google knows everything that you've ever searched for, and they know who you are. Did you know that? And they know your name and address and telephone number. Incredible. Okay? Google knows more about you from everything you ever searched for then your analyst knows about you, okay? They can analyze that, and they can say, you like redheaded girls, you know, or whatever it is. So that's- you like aluminum gray cars because you looked at that one a fraction of a millisecond longer than the other one. So that's why when I check in, it says, so tell me about your mother. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have to. It knew your mother, too. <laughs> this, is all, this is all the result of what I call, or what everybody calls big data analysis. Right. Okay? So we have, you have... A world of vast disclosure where everybody right. discloses everything that can be known about themselves or trusts it to web sites, you know, that may and or may not be protected. <laughs> and then on top of that, someone can apply big data analysis and then they may not be able to find you specifically you, but you as a class of individuals in the society may be defined down to the atomic level. Now, we, um, we had a gentleman on our show. So I'm, not, I'm not just trying to scare you, but if you aren't afraid, you aren't listening carefully. No, I mean, I understand entirely. In fact, but it seems like there's, there's one more step. And we had a guest on our show who, um, I, I forget the organization, but they did a study that basically showed that, okay, we have the entrepreneurs, the, the criminal entrepreneurs, like you just mentioned, the guy in was it Ukraine. 
Sure, they're not just entrepreneurs. There are publicly traded corporations that do this. Incredible. You can buy malware from a from a Russian operation that has it written for them by a company in India that's got shareholders and everything, okay? And you can buy them out the crimeware from them with an update contract and technical support. Well, okay? We're not talking about entrepreneurs. We're talking about huge megalithic organizations. Well, that's what this this done. gentleman this his study showed that what we're seeing is the emergence of a um, basically a malware or cybercrime mall where you can order a la la carte a DNS attack or whatever. Sure. Uh, We call it Crimeware as a Service, C-A-A-S, and we've known about it for a decade. Wow. Okay, it's run on internet relay chat channels that aren't open to the public, and I would not tell you how to go there and look at it because they would get you, okay? Wow. Okay, so it's it's a circle of trust, and they find out about you, and if you're serious, you can do business with them, but if you do, you are breaking the law, and I will do what I can to see that the FBI breaks down your door and throws you in prison. Now, look, you mentioned the NSA. And just as a citizen of the United States, I would do that. Now, you mentioned the NSA. And has this, um, you know, the, the scandal, and particularly the fact that it's drips and drabs, has this been a distraction from, you know, the debate about what we should be doing here, here in the U.S. on cybersecurity? Have okay. we lost ground because of that? Uh, we, it's, it's funny because we're seeing the politicization of, on every level, and we see this a lot. We see the politicization, if that's a word. No, it is. Of, of, of issues that are hurting us. We saw this with the budget debate. We right. saw it with the credit default. We're seeing it with the NSA. The NSA are our guys. They, they spy on people. Duh. <laughs> that's what we pay them to do. Okay? That's what they do. And, and you're worried about, well, we need you to disclose what it is that you're spying on people. No, that's not going to happen. And here's what, and, and everybody who works in this industry has known that they've been doing that forever and ever. It's funny. Have, do you ever go to RSA? Have you ever been to an RSA conference? No, San what Francisco? is RSA? I don't know what it stands for. It's the three guys who own the encryption algorithm that you use on everything. Great big company, but they throw the biggest security conference in the United States. Maybe 8,000, 10,000 people go to it, Okay. You go to RSA, there's a recruiting booth from the NSA handing out tchotchkes. You know, you can take home an NSA secret decoder wheel. I mean, that's kind of funny because, in you know, I used to live in D.C. in suburban Maryland and, you know, not too far from You can NSA. go to, they have a gift shop in Fort Meade. You can go buy a coffee mug. Well, because the running joke was if you ever met someone from the NSA, they never said they worked there. Of course not. And, and in fact, you know, the, that's still true, by the, the abbreviation way. was you know, no, no such, such agency. agency. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I used to give a speech for a company in Maryland that turned out to be somebody else, but I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> they're, uh, yes, of course. They're the, they're, it's, look. There's no going back to the goat and the loom. We live in a world of technology. Our continued survival as a species requires that we focus on science and technology. Right. We need bigger science, bigger technology. We need smarter people. The dumb people are not going to make it. Okay, they're not. And, and computer security, you are the main thing that's involved in keeping your computer secure. Okay, it's you. And the first thing you have to do is be aware that there's problems with security. Mm-hmm. You have to arm yourself against it as best you can. But if you've got something that's got to stay secret, keep it off the computer. 
don't put anything on the internet that's secret. Right. The internet isn't secret. It isn't capable of that. It wasn't built for that. You, you it do, wasn't in the design criteria. You do hear the well. I put it on Facebook, but and but I never thought it would get people would share it all over the place. Well, that's what Facebook is for. Exactly. You know, wake up and recognize the world in which we live. And and just like this ballroom that we're sitting in here at the Hyatt in Long Beach is getting noisier, the world is getting less secure. So it's up to you, whoever you are listening to this, it's up to you personally. Even if you have a staff, it's up to you to protect your secrets and to protect your privacy. Remember, it's your job. And then it's, it is everyone's job. And then you're going to need professionals to protect a, an enterprise. If you're, a, if you're an enterprise and you're dealing in customer data, medical data, financial data, there are laws that say that you have to protect it. But for God's sake, wake up and protect it. Now, um, you're speaking today. I, don't, I already spoke. I don't have a product to sell you. So what do you, what would you speak on? I was speaking on, I called it the ground, as solid as the ground beneath your feet. And as a metaphor... For corporations who don't have enough protection, I talked about the Fukushima nuclear power plant. Oh, that's solid. The right, the right combination of, of problems can break open anything, just like that stack of dishes that that guy just dropped. And if they break open your enterprise, what will they find? Are you a Fukushima waiting to happen? Now, where we are sitting in Long Beach, there was a giant earthquake here in 1938. Yes. Are you from this area? I used to live in Long Beach. In right. Fact, Did you ever go up to Point Furman to the park there? No, I've never been out to Point Furman. You look off the edge of Point Furman Park, which is a cliff on Palos Verdes overlooking the ocean. Okay, yeah. Oh, and you I've look down there. into yes. the ocean and you see the sidewalks and streets and houses that fell in the ocean in 1938. Wow. Okay? This, you know, this can happen anywhere. But just, okay, by comparison, a computer security breach will happen everywhere. Okay, your modern network is a, a collection of thousands of parts, and hundreds of them have security vulnerabilities. So, how do you do marketing? Because you know, if you're selling people saying, "Well, I'm going to give you this," I'm product. not selling anything today. No, no, I'm no, just telling no, you no, no. I'm saying, but you know, how does someone market, or how do you, you know, get people to adopt cybersecurity measures? If you tell them, "Well, you can do this," but you're still going to get hacked, or you know, something. You can block, well, okay, here you go. You've got a house. You're living in a house. Yes. It's got four doors and 18 windows. Let's start with the doors. How are the doors? Are they, do they have glass windows built into them? Can you break a pane in the window and reach in and unlock the lock? Right. Maybe you need a, maybe you need a, a, a warded lock that closes with a key on both sides of the door. Do you have an alarm system? You know, do you lock the doors? Do your windows have locks? Your window's locking? Can you put a lock in your window? Do you make a distinction between the windows on the second floor that open with an eave outside of them and the windows that don't? Do you have an escape ladder on the second floor? You know, we're we're not guarding against one thing. So if I'm here to market something to you, it's going to be all of these products are are guardianship against a specific item, okay? So, yes, you're going to need a lot of of things to protect your secrecy, to protect your privacy, to protect your security of your data but it starts with awareness you have to know how much trouble there is and there's a steaming heap of trouble you know the chinese government employs they've duplicated an organization based on the boy scouts where they have 250,000 kids who are learning step by step to become hackers and they start out as a junior sparrow hacker and then they go to a sparrow and then to a hawk and then to an eagle I would love to see the merit badges. I mean, well, they have shirts with special insignia on them. Really? 
And there are a quarter million of them now. Wow. A quarter million. And these people do not respect your security. They do not respect your privacy. They are trying to hack into everything they can. I would say the most important thing, mm -hmm. and again, if I were here selling you antivirus software, first off, I have walked away from products that were inadequate. I only want to work with great products, right? Yeah. But if I was here hawking antivirus software to you, I would tell you what that would fix for you because each of the products does fix part of the problem. Right. Unfortunately, right now where we're at in the world, all of the products together do not fix all of the problem because you're connecting to a world where there are other people. And right. how much security do they have? And how much security does your ISP have? And how much security does the domain name server have? And the whole chain of command between you and them has been compromised. Now, and compromised hundreds of times. What's what's the analogy you would use then? Um, you know, I guess even with an umbrella, you still get a little wet. No, this is not a natural phenomenon like rain. This is bad guys. Bad guys. This is people with intelligence who are trying to figure out how to break into your system. You need to co-evolve with them. You need to stay up with the threats and what's needed to block you against them. For myself. I write checks to pay all my bills. I don't bank online and never have. And I don't shop online. Not ever. Never. I'm sure our, our e-commerce uh, sponsors. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, what Actually, is... I do. I shop on eBay using PayPal because PayPal has an enormous security department. And I don't have to reveal any of my particular data that I become responsible for. And they've been very good. And to their credit, the credit card companies have been very good. But as an international traveler who gets his credit card hacked all the time, I get my credit card hacked all the time. Without even purchasing online? Oh, no, buying something, buying something in person in Prague or in oh. Russia or in Ch Tokyo. And you come home and they go, well, you've bought 9,000 gallons of gasoline in Decatur, Florida, right? This stuff happens all day long. All day long. They wow. have departments. Why do you think we have computer security? Because there is computer insecurity. Now I um I, yeah I had that I once went to a, a restaurant in um, Cancun right and two days later I, um, I while I was still in Cancun I had purchased you know, several stereo systems in New York I was told <laughs> right and this happens constantly right. online constantly and it can, sometimes it's not even the fault of the vendor now it's getting too noisy to do this radio show. I have another thing to do. Is oh, sure. We finish up this interview. Oh, yes. No, uh, we're, we're going to take a short break. Um, but when we come back, we'll be wrapping up here at ISSAOC, their security symposium. And, um, David, I want to thank you very much. Sorry I was the bearer of such bad news. Well, no, this is the good, the bad, the ugly. And you, and you spoke it clearly and plainly. So if people want to contact you, what's the best way? You can catch my blog at davidperryvirus.com. And you can find me, I'm at davidperry.com. Well, David, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Thank you. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. If you're constantly struggling to find more customers, revenue, or hours in the day, Infusionsoft can help you have the business you've always wanted. For over 10 years, Infusionsoft has been helping business owners just like you find the financial freedom and peace of mind you've been searching for. I'm Scott Martineau, co-founder of Infusionsoft. If you're struggling to find more customers, more revenue, or more hours in the day, Infusionsoft is the proven solution you're looking for. Infusionsoft, the only all-in-one sales and marketing software created specifically for small businesses. 
Learn more at www.infusionsoft.com slash radio. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate display media or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic search, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most influential PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest digital trends and offer tailored solutions so they can audit your progress and build a roadmap to your success. Learn more about their expanding range of full-service strategic marketing solutions at fangdigital.com. That's F-A-N-G, digital.com. Your mission, initiate internet marketing measures. Your arsenal, the weapons of mass marketing. Weapons of mass marketing. On demand anytime inside the internet marketing channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. It was great having David Perry. I know I understand that he's also a magician, and he just did a magic trick and disappeared. Um, David's off to another engagement, but um, definitely look him up. He's been uh, on, on the front page of the New York Times about 14 times. He's very highly regarded as a source and uh, source of knowledge on these issues. So um, we're, we're um, wrapping up here at ISSAOC, um, Future of Information Security, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, um, as part of the, the 28th Annual SoCal Security Symposium. And um, we have um, one last guest. His name is Larry Whitside, and he um, is with, um, he's with Komodo. And um, Larry, I want to uh, welcome you to the show. So, Larry, tell me a little bit about wh- what you do and what, what's Komodo. Uh, so, uh, I'm uh, the corporate strategy advisor for Komodo, and uh, Komodo is an internet security company that is uh, offers a lot of products in the security in the security space. Uh, their largest product is their CCM product, which is uh, the cert management product, and they're the second largest CA in the world behind Verisign. And um, how did you get get into that? Um, I got into it because I'm, I'm a former CISO, so I've been CISO of a few large organizations across the country. And for uh, people who are listening at home, you know, what would that mean? A CISO? So I, I've been a chief information security officer and chief security officer of a, a couple of large Fortune 500 companies in the financial services space as well as healthcare. And I, I got a little burnt out. Uh, you know, be, being a C-level security executive, there's a there's a lot of things that you have to do that don't necessarily tie in with the spe- the true space security. It's a lot right. more politics. And uh, after doing that for a number of years, it can it can tend to weigh on you. So I decided to take a bit of a break. 
let me ask you a question. You know, I've and I've seen this in the corporation, and you know, I think it's probably universally true. But it's true of other departments. But it seems that IT and the you know, security group is always in a separate area, right? And often far away from management. Um, partly because, and part of it is they like that. They like right. being away, but at the same time, it, it makes them an afterthought. Well, it's it's partially because the job of what IT does, right? So if you think about the business, the business doesn't want to know how sausage is made. They just know they need sausage. So because of that, IT sort of tends to work in the background, right? You put a laptop to an executive. They don't care how it works. Just know they have a laptop supposed to give give them what they need to do their work. So they don't really want to know about it. So IT tends to stay in the background because of that. And security is even a further subset. And, you know, one of my reasons for sort of taking a hiatus was I wanted to do more to help the industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I think is lacking in the industry is I don't think there's a focus on security in organizations strategically. We, we as practitioners tend to get very uh, tactical because the business is driving certain things and it doesn't allow us or give us the time to be strategic in our planning of what security is. And the reality is we're dealing with threats that are growing on a daily, if not hourly basis. And you need to think strategically of how to deal with those threats over the long term versus just the tactical aspect of dealing with the point things that are being brought by the business. Now, we we Powell on earlier and you know, we're trying to come up with analogies for what that, the role of the security officer is in a company. And, um, and that's what he said. It's, it's odd because, you know, if you're doing your job right, no one, you don't get a win. No, no. And, and so, you know, your stature, you get no bet. You really get no benefit from doing your job right. But if you do it wrong and correct it, you know, I'll give an example, then you're a hero. Right. That's absolutely correct. But and, how do you change that dynamic? Is that you know, one thing I'm big on is to what extent are there market incentives now for greater security? And so through cheaper insurance, if you have the right things in place. And right. So there is some of that. And that's not new. So there are some insurance that if you have, if you get certain industry certifications, they will discount the the insurance package for your organization, and that happens. But ultimately, the thing that will benefit industry is the is a mindset change. I ask this question every time I walk into a boardroom or meet with a C-level executive. Do you have auto insurance? They say yes. Do you have homeowners insurance? They say yes. Do you have life insurance? And they all resoundingly say yes. Now I ask, do you plan on dying anytime soon? They say no. Do you plan on getting into an auto accident anytime soon? They say no. Do you plan on your house burning down or uh, or having a major theft or burglary in your home? They say no. I said exactly, but you have the insurance in place anyways. That's how you have to look at security. Unfortunately, security has gotten a couple trademarks. A, it's gotten the trademark of security is something that's going to not allow me to do something, right? I don't want to secure it because you're going to shut off a server, right. so you're going to turn down something I need. Or security has turned into, well, I need to be compliant, so do the things I need to be compliant with this particular regulation, but no more. And, oh, because we're compliant with it, that means we're secure, right? 
an answer to that is no, right? You need to do security because it's the right thing to do. It's the thing that's going to better your business, and it, ultimately, it can be an enabler, and it can be a differentiator for you versus your competitors. Now, um, you know, as in, a, in the legal department of a, of a corporation, you're, you're in the same position because you basically you don't want to be in a position of being Doctor No, right? And, and not, not just Doctor No, but Doctor No, you can't do this deal and make money. Right. I'm taking money out of your pocket, and um, so you know that that's a big problem. I remember I I made this I had this discussion with a company I was at that was just I was the first lawyer they ever had in house, and I said you, know, you got to understand that we're each paid to have certain different perspectives on how a deal is structured. Right. And I said you know you're the salesman and you're a sunny day person. If everything works out great, it's going to be you know happiness and we're going to be rich and you know everything in the world is going to be great if this deal goes through, you know from your perspective. Right. And and that's how it should be. That is your job. That's what you're paid for. I'm paid to have a different perspective. Right. I'm paid to be a rainy day person. I have to think about everything that could possibly go wrong with your sunny day possibility. It's and not protecting. just because I'm I'm this weird perverse person. But you know, well, we, <laughs> <laughs> that's perspective. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be some comments on that. But you know, it's it's just because that's what we're paid to do. Right. And then we we come on, we sit down, we talk about it, and say, okay, where are these risks that we we flagged, ones that you know really are consequential, and which ones are, and let's talk about how can we get your your deal. But still accommodating that, right? And so it really is just explaining. I think sometimes you know what you bring to the table, and uh, rather than seeing you as an obstacle, see seeing as a partner. Don't just say no, but say you know maybe if. Right. Well, and that's a big part of it. Security officers or security executives in general have, over the last five years, gotten better at that. They've become. Uh, better at having, they've become better at knowing their business and having better business acumen to have business-based risk discussions versus having technology-based risk discussions. When you walk into a business leader and you're talking about firewalls and you're talking about laws and you're talking about intrusion detection, their eyes begin to gloss over because they don't care and they right. don't, and more importantly, they don't understand, right? But when you begin to go in there and you, and you put risk into the aspect of their business right. and how they're doing money because ultimately it comes down to a cost management. If you can implement certain things with a certain cost up front as a preventive measure to having to deal with greater costs or loss of revenue on the back end, it's something you would want to do. And putting it in that type of context, most business leaders and most executives to understand it. We security officers have just not spoken that language for a while mm -hmm. because the majority of us have come up to the ranks as techies and engineers. So that's the language that we've always spoken. And it's not until those last three to five years that we've begun to transition. And the successful security executives who have, have transitioned and begin speaking that business language are getting things done in their organizations. Now, I imagine you do very well in that position. Um, Tell us a little about your company and what's um, left. Sure, sure. So, so Komodo is. I'll give you some background. You know, when I when I chose to sort of take a hiatus from the corporate world and try and come up with 
uh, something that I can do to the industry, I began looking at a lot of different companies that I can work with. And I ended up choosing Komodo because um, they are a pure internet security company. Um, and the bigger point for me was that they were not one who's grown acquisition. Right? A lot of companies today in the tech space are acquiring different tools and different components from others and then trying to integrate and bolt on and add on. And that's a challenge. And it is a big challenge because what happens is when there are ultimately flaws in code of that acquisition, what, because those people have now departed or you've gotten rid of them, they you know 80% of them have taken their checks and exited the company, how do you go back and correct some of that? Right. And Komodo was one of the few industries that had what I call rooted to the tutor code development, where all of their products are their own products, and they built them from the ground up, which makes them very nimble to meet different security problems. And so they're in the business of solving problems, and I want to help them get their message out to solve problems, because ultimately my goal is to better the industry. If the industry gets better, it's better for all of us. Now, we only got um, two minutes left. If people want to contact you, how should they do it? Um, One minute. Reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, Larry Whiteside. I'm on LinkedIn. You can reach me on Twitter, uh, at Larry Whiteside on Twitter, or you can uh, email me or, or, or call me. I'm very, very open and public with all my information, so uh, I, I'm open to talk with anyone. Great. I want to thank you very much for being on this show, and I want to thank ISSAOC and the Hyatt here for accommodating us. Um, so definitely check out ISSAOC, look at their future events, and I only have two other things, two announcements. One is Go Sox and Poppy We Trust. Let's bring them at home. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Cyberlaw Business Report at Webmaster Radio. Um, we'll have another issue next week, which actually will hopefully we're working on details. Could be very exciting. So thank you for joining us. Be sure to download our mobile app and take us to lunch. What's up with that? Huh? I've been waiting. Um, any event, um, have a good week, and we'll talk to you next week. So long. This is Bennett Kelly with Cyberlaw Business Report here from the Hyatt in Long Beach. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.